Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 172. John and Wendy talk to Jane Murtaugh. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How are you, John? Wendy, I'm well. And we're in almost middle of June, which is hard to believe. We have not talked about chats in a long time. However, if you're listening to this in real time, Mm. right before June 13th, it's our first chat for June. Yeah, it'll be awesome. Wendy, I think it's fair to say this will be a really interesting conversation. Yes, it will be um, with uh, Paul alone and uh, bringing his HR philosopher fun (laughs) to the conversation. Paul had messaged me a few months ago and said, hey, would you ever be open to have a more philosophical conversation in the chat? And I said, if you co-host, yeah, we would. Uh, and so we are really excited. I, Wendy, I, we've talked several times over the last year or so about, particularly when we doubled up the chats and, bring, mm-hmm. and started to bring in the co-hosts, that it's been so much fun. And I, we've, I think you and I can come up with ideas that are, are good. Yeah. But I think we get when we crowdsource, like we've gotten to be over the last little bit, they get even better. And we've yes. had some, we've had some conversations. I think it's fair to say you and I would never have thought of. Oh, so I, I think this is one. I think you know Paul. Paul and his take on things. I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So hopefully you will join us and be part of that. We're going to throw it out again. We are continuing to look for folks that are part of the chats. If you've got an idea, let's talk about it. Definitely. And if you are a a sponsor or a vendor that is looking to maybe sponsor a chat, like some of our sponsors have done over the year as well, send us a note. We're happy to talk about that too. Is there? always a lot of conversation either way. But again, join us on the 13th. If you're listening to this before then, we're going to get philosophical with Paul alone. It'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> be awesome. It'll be awesome. It'll be deep for sure. Indeed. Wendy, really excited about tonight's guest. I feel like she, we've known her for a while. And as we were talking about before we got in, you know, it's a perfect example of somebody that we've talked to and, and gotten to know, and it's been part of our community that we're finally getting here. So yes. let's make the introduction for Jane and get started. Super excited to welcome Jane Murtaugh to the show tonight. She has had a twofold career uh, for many years in teaching as well as in training and management for different corporations. She is currently a professor of HR management and the chair of the HRM certificate program that she developed at the College of DuPage in Glen Ellen, Illinois. She values each day that she gets to help her students interested in launching and advancing their HR careers to those goals. And we love having professors and teachers on um, helping students because we'll be total cliche here. You know, our children are the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jane, first question. What is in your glass? Hey, Wendy, it's water again for me tonight. Um, you know, it's hot in Chicago today. It's like 86 oh. degrees and humidity yeah. is insane. You know, it as often, often happens in Chicago, you go straight from April to July weather. So it's water yeah. for me tonight. I hear you. Same thing in South Dakota. Yeah. Someday I'm going <laughs> to be able to have that glass of wine or beer with you all in person someday, though. Someday. We look forward to that, too, Jane. Yes. It- yes. Typically, we ask people how they got started. You came into this academic career maybe a little differently, I would say. You know, it's maybe, I don't know if it's what you planned on, but how did you make that move into higher education? And why did you start teaching human resources? So, you know, in all reality, when it came time to choose college way back when, I think I would tell you I'd followed my 
big sister's model. She went to school to be a business ed teacher. So I thought I'm going to go to school to be a business teacher as well. Um, actually taught high school for a couple of years and then realized, you know, when you're talking to students in a classroom and you say, this is how things are done. And then you realize you only know that from the textbook type situation. I decided to put myself on a five-year plan and go work in industry and worked for two companies. That five-year plan turned out to be 10 years because I ended up, you know, I did a lot of training and development, pre-post-sale support on the marketing side of things as well. Once promoted into management, I found out that I really enjoyed that. So again, that five years, you know, went into 10. I also always ached for the classroom. I really thrive on um, the interaction with students. So chose to get a couple master's degrees done and then make a career change. What would Angela Champ call it? A squiggly change career, squiggly line career. Squiggly line, yep, indeed. Um, And return to education, but at a community college. I chose that because, you know, so often at the university level, professors do more research than classroom interaction with students. And I really wanted to be in the classroom. So chose a community college. I also have a love for the career workforce development side of things. And that happens more on the community college side. That's why, that's how I got into higher education, purposely chose the two-year community college model, and then started teaching um, HR because, you know, when you teach at a community college, you really have to work to make sure that any degree or certificate program you offer has employability at the end. So that when a student graduates, there are jobs waiting for them. And with my interest in HR, I kept my eye on employment growth in that career. And once I saw it, put a proposal together to the dean and our academic committee and said, I would like to launch a two-semester certificate program in HR. Four classes, one the first semester, and then three taught in an integrated learning community the second semester. And my whole purpose of choosing the certificate route was I just, I guess I could say, I just um, graduated our 128th alum this past weekend um, since we launched this in fall of 17. And we tend to see more degree certificate completers because they're coming to us specifically for this certificate. And that is, you know, very exciting when you see students achieve their goals also. That's awesome been doing this program for a little while and you've been teaching longer, obviously. What's been the biggest change in teaching HR since you began? You know, I would tell you, I've been at College of DuPage for 20 years. Hard to believe that. This fall will be 20. The biggest change we've seen now is far more interaction and integration of application and experiential learning as opposed to the teach, test, teach, test, teach, test. You know, the reality for all of you as HR professionals is If a student simply memorizes key terms and takes a multiple choice exam, they're not necessarily going to be as productive for you and your HR departments as they are if we're teaching things in more application-based. So our certificate program in particular is taught in what we refer to as a learning community format. Um, It is me and I've hired two adjunct part-time faculty that are HR professionals, uh, made sure that they were senior directors or higher in their hierarchy of their organizations. I wanted students to have not only my background and experience, but also two that are currently working in HR, because I think that also adds value and credibility to the program. 
but it also helps students understand why, for example, today someone was upset because I took points off for an error um, on a job offer letter. But imagine if the job offer was supposed to be for 50,000 and it came out as 5,000. So hearing you all say how key that is, you know, is pretty important. Everything we do is focused on, if you're going to talk about, you know, job analysis and job design, let's go design a job description. If you're going to talk about new hire paperwork, let's put an offer letter together. If we're going to talk about compensation and benefits, we actually have them design a pay structure with a summary for executives, as well as taking a look at how would you design pay and benefits for top all the way down. I chose Amazon as the company that we model. We have these students pretend that they're working for Amazon HR. So why did I choose Amazon? First of all, everybody knows who it is. But second of all, what we've seen Bezos do for years is change that company almost on a daily basis. So it works really well to say, hey, here's what we need from HR in a fulfillment center. But when he goes to buy Whole Foods, suddenly you're customer facing. So how does HR change? So again, I think it's all more experiential application-based is how I would say it has changed from the traditional, you know, remember those blue exam books, take exams, take exams, take exams. We're all designed to make sure they have hands-on experience for you all. I was always a fan of Scantrons. (laughs) That was my speed. Those are easy to grade, but I think that's the only positive I can come up with. (laughs) Jane, you talked about moving to this experiential type of learning and and how important that's been. When you are talking to alums of the program, at least the program that's come up through the last couple of years, or even students that you've worked with in the past, what do they tell you about the difference or the, let's say the reality of practicing HR in a business as opposed to studying? You know, what do they tell you about that experience or difference? And what can you tell us, as HR professionals that may be working with those coming in to our businesses and how do we help them in that transition? Because of how we've designed this certificate in particular that we offer, what I've heard from HR professionals is one of the reasons that they see value in what we're doing. Because remember, I'm a two semester certificate. I'm not a two year degree. I'm not a four year degree. So that is a challenge I have when job postings do require a bachelor's. But what we do have instead are, and what HR professionals again have told me is they come into you with the vision of what happens within an HR department. So when you do talk about talent acquisition, they come to you maybe not having done those activities directly for an employer, but with a vision of what would happen within that process of designing the job, recruiting for the job, sourcing for the job, selection, and so on. The other part of it that I'm so proud of is how can you all help? I think that's a key differentiator and a big part of the competitive advantage of this certificate. Something I'm very proud of is the integration of HR professionals such as yourself. Um, we were just talking about, you know, if, if you look at last night doing an HR social chat, that group of people who are on Twitter, the group of people who are on LinkedIn, um, the group of local SHRM chapter professionals that are involved in this program is remarkable to me. Paul Lalonde and I have never met in person, but I 
saw something he posted one time on LinkedIn, realized he's basically a couple suburbs over from me, sent him an email and said, hey, would you like to be involved listening to some student capstone presentations about what they know about HR? Because I wanted to bring HR professionals in to the classroom to hear those presentations, to offer feedback and so on. Mary Williams, don't I often hear she's what, your number one fan of this podcast? (laughs) That is record. Yes, yes, she is absolutely the number one fan. I walked into a DuPage Sherm local chapter event, um, and she was sitting at the table registering everybody. It was like, Mary Williams, oh my gosh. Having individuals such as them involved, Mary now has participated as an, you know, in an informational interview with us. Um, employment lawyers. I really enjoy um, Kate Bischoff's energy. And she's so tolerant of me because I just kind of, you know, went into her DMs and Twitter one day and said, hey, I have a question for you. And she answered it. And then she's met, you know, with a student as well. Have many, you know, others. I think I stalked Steve Brown around an Illinois Sherm conference a few years back because I wanted to ask him for help. Give me ideas on how to get Sherm to recognize we can know HR without a bachelor's degree, um, that type of thing. I'm very involved in our, in my local SHRM chapter. Last week, for example, these students gave the capstone presentations. I had nine professionals who gave three hours last Tuesday night to listen to them present on Zoom. So we do mentoring. Uh, I just kind of feel like anytime I ask someone for help, they're they're there. I can put on LinkedIn have this group of emerging professionals in need of informational interviews, anybody interested, and I get more than I need. So you, I'm, again, humbled by the involvement of you all within this program. You help us make sure they're ready to make that transition from career to the workplace. I always talk about how do I help students walk that bridge between academic and the workplace, and you all have helped me make that an easier walk, an easier journey for them. I love how you've been able to break into, you know, join the HR community and get people involved. And that's exactly what we want to see and, and why John and I do what we do here, because it's about making those connections and getting people connected that we don't even realize how that might happen. But being, being a catalyst to that, I love that. So we've talked about helping students transition. So we know there's still a lot of people out there that, for whatever reason, they want to break into HR, they want to join HR, um, but maybe they're not going to go back to school and do it that that academic back. Any particular advice you would give to those individuals on how they can position themselves for success as an HR pro? Wendy, you know, that um, is actually a question I thought of as I was creating this um, certificate program, because I wanted to make sure that we were taking a look at not only those students who, you know, how do we just kind of end up in HR? We don't have any schooling and maybe we need it to get promoted or to advance. But then we also have these students who are in our community, um, are interested in learning HR, but perhaps are either hesitant to go to school or don't have the means to go to school. For example, I had a woman last week contact me who had heard about our certificate program. She lives in Rochester, Minnesota, And her plans were to take the first class with me this summer online. And then because I'm moving the three 
advanced classes in the fall back into the classroom as we return to campus after you know some post-COVID plans. Because I'm putting it back in the classroom, she was trying to figure out if she could afford to travel from Rochester, Minnesota to Glen, Illinois, Glen Ellen, Illinois on Tuesday nights, join us for class Wednesday night, and then return back to Rochester and had already worked with her employer that she would have Wednesday and Thursdays off to do that. Totally incredible to me. The reality is that what's preventing her from doing this are, you know, we schools all charge out of district tuition. And because I'm a short-term program, financial aid isn't necessarily available to her when she's a Minnesota student. So that is, you know, something I do struggle with a little bit. However, she and I have now talked about different ways And I did some research for her on who in Minnesota or perhaps Iowa or Wisconsin had alternative programs um, for her as well. But the other key piece to the um, answer to your question is the concept of transferable skills. So I may not have an HR degree, but what if I have experience or background in fashion merchandising and have worked in retail? So when you think about would that student be prepared for HR? One of the things I often say to them is HR is customer service. Our customers are our employees. However, also think about in fashion merchandising and how we set up these department stores, it's all designed to influence you and me to buy, right? So don't we as HR professionals also need those influencing relationship management skills when we propose uh, perhaps a new healthcare plan and convince employees it's good for them when they have to maybe pay more, you know, for their monthly premiums and so on. Or even when we put a business case together for our leadership. So we can still use that same concept of those skills of influencing. We're just doing it not in a retail store, but in an HR department. So I really focus a lot with pulling those out, those transferable skills for our students. And sometimes we that means we change the order of their resume. So if they're going to get a 10 to 20 second scan by a recruiter or a hiring manager, making sure that what's at the top of that resume has those transferable skills right at the top, as opposed to buried further down, that doesn't get the look when they might see education is not that bachelor's degree. So that's one way that I'm working on helping those who might not have the schooling still be able to become employed in a new career field. Jane, as we've started crowdsourcing questions from previous guests, ties into a lot of what we've already talked about with what you've done with your program. But previous guest, Katrina Kibben asked, what do you do to make the world a better place? Oh, Katrina, this is a hard one. These questions are hard. So I hope I do that within my local sphere of the world, helping these HR students meet their career goals. Um, I stick with them after they complete our program. I have about six right now that finished last week who are preparing either for their APHR or PHR exam through HRCI or their SHRM CP. I spend a lot of time quizzing on those wonderful um, vocabulary words that we all know are covered on those certification exams. I guess I would say locally, I probably might be better at making the world better. You know, again, when you think about someone who does that, that would be um, my role model for that would be Kate Bischoff, who what has you know her never-ending energy for so many causes across the globe. 
have worked with a lot of our Chicago night ministry teams that go into some of the neighborhoods in the city, um, taking food and warm coats and so on. You know, I would tell you that I'm ethical. I'll walk away from situations where my ethical values are called into question. So I think me operating openly, honest, you know, value and integrity, being humble would also be a way of giving back. Yeah, this is a tough question to answer. We have often said we are happy we don't have to answer those. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was going to say, I guess I should be happy I didn't get, um, what was it, Greg Hawks last week got the Perry Tibbs question on how do you solve pay inequity? (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Katrina. (laughs) Well, Jane, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, which is the half hour question connection. What career did you dream of having when you were a child? Oh, I've never liked this question. Um, I don't think I, I don't think I remember that answer. Something tells me it probably had something to do with teaching. I remember my dad telling me, "I want you to go to Western Illinois University, which is like you know West Central Illinois rural area, and be a special education teacher." I don't have the patience for that. There's a special place in Evan for special education teachers, so I guess I let him down in that regard. <laughs> I know today an alternative would be owning one of those cute, funky, you know, small, independent pen, pencil, paper, stationery, cute little note card, you know, some downtown area, woman-owned independent store. (laughs) But I don't remember what it was as a child. I still think it had something to do with teaching because that's just what we all did, right? Jane, who's one person you've gained your network in the last year that you think more people should know? Can I really only have one? Two. <laughs> two? Oh, my gosh. Um, because we uh, like you, Jane, you can have two. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So my number one is going to be Claire Petrie out of Buffalo. She just is an all-around rock star. I can call her and say, help me figure out a banner on LinkedIn, or will you talk to this student? Or, you know, I have a tendency to give my students just a list of HR professionals to connect with, and she's one of them. She's just totally awesome. Another one that I've come to know over this past year would be Tom Mobley out of Cincinnati. He's a University of Cincinnati HR professor. He and I met through COVID. And, you know, another one of those saw a post he had on LinkedIn. Um, Another one of those kind of like, I feel like I'm stalking you all. Sent him a LinkedIn message. No, he's involved in exam prep. I had decided during COVID to sit for the SHRM SCP exam. Um, this past January, and had talked to him about, you know, what's he doing for prep for his students and so on. And Tom and I now are spending this summer taking a look at how do we develop, you know, there's the hashtag HR community. So how do we develop an HR professor's community to better connect others like Tom and myself, Matt up in Green Bay, and so on, over social media so that you can share examples of how do you engage students internal in a classroom, external to a classroom, and just kind of have hopefully a monthly roundtable. So that's something Tom and I are working on. Love it. How do you maintain balance? Oh, I'm not sure I do. I'd like to get the answer on that one from my family. I would tell you, I think I do. I'm better at juggling than balancing. Balance might be that work-life balance. If it was 50-50, might not be something I'm really good at. You know, our kids are older. I teach six to seven classes a semester and at about 30 students a piece that, you know, roughly 200 students. So I feel like I'm constantly juggling more than balancing. And during this past 
15 months with COVID, you know, I have not been on campus since March 13th, 2020. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm very much looking at my, I keep saying my office is a time capsule of that, that calendar date is still what's on my desk. Um, so those 200 students are coming into my inbox or Zoom screens these days. So I think it's a juggling more than a balancing. And I think I juggle better on some days than others. <laughs> Jane, typically I'm going to ask how you give back to the HR community. Everything you do is about giving back. So I'm bringing back an oldie but a goodie. How did you first connect with us? How did you find the chat? Oh, on um, LinkedIn and Twitter. And then I'll tell you what, I followed HR Social Hour every other Sunday for probably a good six months. (laughs) And, you know, I think I know enough technically to just be dangerous. Um, Story of my life, Jane. <laughs> so I really tried to figure out what the heck is going on with this. Remember the Sherm Next chats that were on LinkedIn? That was another one I was trying to figure out as well. And it really was my plan of, okay, how do I go outside DuPage County, Illinois, and find HR professionals that perhaps students could connect with? I think it's key for, I was, you know, it's kind of a corny analogy. My students sometimes laugh at me, but you know how, when the refrigerator repairman arrives at home, he has a little tool bag. So I always refer to students as we all carry around career tool bags. And one of the tools in your tool bag needs to be your HR connections. And the time to have connections is prior to needing a job search. And John, I've listened to you many times talk about the time to have connections is not when you're looking for a job. So don't connect with me and ask me for a job, right? So I started realizing you know, Jane, you've had a Twitter account for years. Let's make good use of it. And then Steve Brown always says, get connected. So um, I just kind of started following you all around and one day just decided to jump in. I love it. I love that you did. Jane, what is your favorite movie? Oh, that's easy. Crazy Stupid Love. That's that Ryan Gosling, um, Steve Carell movie. Isn't that a goofy movie to be my favorite? But you know why it is? Um, It's a connection I have with our daughter. So every time she or I are watching it, and are you familiar with that movie and the the scene towards the end where the four guys are sitting on the brick wall and they're all in trouble and they're laughing and the police are there and the wives are mad and the children are mad and so on. Our daughter and I have this thing where we take a screenshot of it and then just send it to each other. Plus, I mean, that scene just makes me laugh every time I think of it. What's the first concert you remember attending? I just had this conversation with our son. It's interesting when your older children seem to now enjoy the the same music that you enjoyed, you know, back in your college days and so on. It was a Marshall Tucker band. I think I have seen them five times. Got to be a bouncer at one of them during college. Nice. I will tell you my all-time favorite concert was the Eagles a few years ago at the United Center in the city with my husband. I think we would travel you know, within a few state area to go see them again. That was fantastic. What was the last show you binge watched? Oh, for all mankind. Hmm. Add that to my list. It's funny. We just, and are either one of you aware of that? You know, that's that space movie. So what would have happened if we put a space station on the moon? What would happen if the Russians had a space station on the moon? And it's interesting how now, watching that and then watching, you know, China just landed their rocket um, on Mars. 
I think that's probably season three of For All Mankind. So it's kind of funny how you're wondering, okay, what's going to happen? <laughs> Interesting. I think it was on Apple TV Plus. One of those where we really tried to say we're going to watch one a night and then got to the weekend and just suddenly <laughs> Saturday was over and so was season two. Jane, what's a hobby or a thing you really like to do that may surprise people? You know, I'm really kind of a boring person. I will tell you that I will go out of my way to find those local independent shops, like bookshops, those paper shops like I was talking about before. The bookseller in Old Town is on my list for this summer. In reality, I would tell you family's always number one with me. The three puppies, you know, would be another one. That's probably about it. Not really exciting, is it? <laughs> oh, well, and finally, Jane, as we are outsourcing, if you could ask the next guest of the podcast any question, what would it be? Oh, this one I know for sure. How do we get Sherm and employers to recognize the value of these short-term certificates as opposed to job postings and certification exam requirements mandating a bachelor degree? I like that question. I've been trying to get that answered with Sherm National and other organizations for the past few years. I think this is one of those times, Jane, that we don't have an answer. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I'm glad it's not one I have to answer on right. on the show. I, like Wendy said, I'm glad you brought it up. And I want to thank you again for taking part. I think Wendy even talked, you know, at the outset, we love having educators as part of yeah. this community. And I think it helps us. It's so great to see what you are doing to better people that want to get into this crazy world. It's exciting to think that there's, even if it's, if it's a year, a semester, whatever somebody does to try to get better or to learn some of the foundations of this before getting in. I love the idea of writing a job description or pricing a job. We asked about reality versus studying and, yeah. <laughs> and you're doing those things. We didn't do that. Freely admit we've stumbled into this whole thing. Appreciate you doing that for us and for this community. There may be some listeners that aren't connected with you now, but now that they have heard you, they're going to want to connect and hopefully reach out. Maybe can even help you in the future with your classes. Best way for them to reach you out there via social media. I would say email is simple. It's murtaugh at cod.edu, M-U-R-T-A-U-G-H at cod.edu. And then I'm on LinkedIn several times throughout the day as well. So Jane Murtaugh would be my profile. And then you can find me on Twitter as well, following all of you. We will have that in the show notes. And then Wendy, how about you? Best way for listeners to find you out there. Uh, best way is on my blog, mydailyjourney.com, daily D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. And of course, the second and fourth Sunday of each month, you will find me on Twitter at 7 p.m. Eastern time as part of our twice monthly Twitter chat. How about you, John? JohnThurman.com for all things John Thurman and for the show, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. Listen, review, follow, whatever you do and everything you do to help us. We appreciate international listeners. We want to talk. Let's start the conversation. Maybe you're an educator overseas doing things like Jane's doing. Let's talk about it. We'd love to learn more. Jane, again, really do appreciate your time for being with us. So for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect. Give back. And... Network. Network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon. <laughs>